Hello, this is the Kaiju Transmissions Podcast. My name's Kyle Bird, and my co-host, Mr. Matt Parmley, has something hey, to s- yes, and he has something to say to all of you out there in podcast land. So we are announcing a fan contest. Uh, we want you, our lovely listeners, to have a chance to come on our show and record an episode with us, and you can pick the topic. So the way this works, being in contests, is you go out to Facebook or Twitter and share our latest episode, whatever that happens to be, and then you email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com a list of topics that you think might be cool to come on and discuss with us, and then we will select a random winner uh, sometime in early February, and then we will record an episode in late February, all right? So the way this works, one more time, go on Twitter, go on Facebook, share the latest episode, and then immediately after that, email us a list of topics that you think will be fun to discuss. Got it? Make sense? And yeah, you get to choose the topic you want to talk to us about, as long as it's within the the boundaries of what we do. Uh, We want to talk to you, so share the podcast, keep listening, and uh, hopefully you keep enjoying it. Cool, and... uh... Twitter is KT underscore podcast. Facebook, just look us up under Kaiju Transmissions. In our email, one last time, kaijutransmissions at gmail.com. Hey everyone, really quick, just wanted to uh, have a disclaimer and say um, this is the first of three parts um, about the Ultraman series covering the first three shows, Ultra Q, Ultraman, and Ultra 7. And originally this was supposed to be one long episode, but we decided in the interest of everybody's time, it would probably be a little better if we released uh, release them in um, parts. And so this is going to be part one of three, um, and that is also why the episodes end a little abruptly. So I just wanted to come out and uh, say that. So without further ado, for the next hour and ten minutes, your eyes are about to leave your body. This is our discussion on Ultra Q. Good evening. This is another edition of Kaiju Transmissions. I am your host, Kyle Bird, and with me is the co-host of this podcast. Hi, I'm Matt. You know me. (laughs) And uh, at long last, this is coming to fruition. Uh, Now, it's taken so long for us to do this because we had to wait for the time to be just right for our guest host to be summoned 
Um, the stars had to align in a particular way. We had to go through a whole uh, Lovecraftian ritual just to get them here. Uh, we do have a guest host, and uh, we have Eric, who, who's been on the show multiple times, but say hello. Hi, happy to be here. We're happy to have you here. And uh, I think uh, this, this, is, uh, this, this has been a very long time in the making, hasn't it? It's been like two months, I think, at least, since well, we first like, talked about doing this show. Well, this weren't we supposed to do this in October? No, I was going to say August. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I know that our schedules kept getting screwed up, and then... You know, freaking Eric, because he's got to go serve our country, had to... Uh, Eric's in the military, for those who don't know. And because of stuff he had there, and then I, I was screwing stuff up because I could, like, never get my ducks in a row. It's just it's just been a fiasco. Yeah, you watched, like, one episode a month. Um, yeah, that's true. And then I powered through, like, a bazillion in, in about a week, as best I could. So, this is... Uh, we're, we're here to talk about Ultraman. Uh, this has been requested multiple times for us to get into Ultraman, and, uh, I mean, you could do a gazillion podcasts about Ultraman, but, um, for reasons that I think will be evident throughout the, the discussion, we are sticking to the first three series, um, because, A, those are I, I kind of think of them as a trilogy of sorts in my brain, um, not only because they're the three that A.G. Subaraya um, worked on directly, but uh, those three series um, are what laid the groundwork for everything that followed, pretty much. So, um, three highly influential and regarded shows. Uh, that is Ultra Q, Ultraman... And Ultra Seven, and we will be discussing those three shows um, at length, I would imagine. And uh, I think we're gonna have uh, a good time doing it. Um, we we have a lot of information to talk about and a, a lot of thoughts about these shows. So um, yeah, uh, I'm 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 excited to do that. Well, um, Matt. Uh, I know we've had a pre-recorded intro, um, uh, informing people of our listener contest. Um, if anybody's listening to this, enter our contest. For the love of God, just do it. <laughs> Please. That, that should be the entire intro. <laughs> <laughs> we have, I think, four entries. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. I mean, uh, you, listen, it's, if we were giving away, like, a toy, I couldn't, you, you'd be emailing us like crazy. But nobody nobody wants to come talk to us, Bird. I guess we just suck at this or something. I don't know, man. Maybe they're just shy. You know? Could be. I mean, I, I will admit the, uh, the entrance, entrance, was that, is that even a word? But the people that have entered. No, yeah, that's uh, a word. They are, they have all had really cool ideas for episodes. So, I mean, at least... We have good topics to choose from, whoever wins. But, like, <laughs> I was hoping that it would be a lot of people entering. I thought it's a cool idea, right? You get to guest star on a really tiny podcast that 12 people listen to. 
I mean, yeah. I, it's a really cool idea. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. How <laughs> how sad is it when we're gonna be when we we put uh, we we randomize uh, numbers one through four? <laughs> <laughs> you have a. Uh, you know what though i'm I'm cool with it like i said all all the entries we've had have been really good like they've all had multiple ideas and all the shows and that they had picked in movies and stuff were um really interesting we got we had some we had some stuff that i uh we have not talked about before yet so that that to me is exciting Uh, yeah we had some stuff that um we have on our massive list of ideas and then some stuff that i don't think we even would have thought uh to do so yeah i i agree i agree matt answer the damn contest (laughs) (laughs) um speaking of ultraman uh hold on (laughs) that segment was horrible There was no segue. There that was, was just no him like, driving the bus through Ultraman Town or something. I don't know what the hell that uh, was. Well, I, you know, this is topical. I want to, you know, I, when we get uh, listener mail, I always like to read it. Um, even if it's not something we're going to have too much of a response to. But uh, uh, EliZilla13 wrote to us, let's get into detail about the creation of Subaraya Studios itself or just have an episode on Ultraman in general. If you guys could go through the Ultraman series, not episode by episode, but different eras, kind of like you did with Kamen Rider. I love that episode, by the way. People love that Kamen Rider episode, man. Uh, um, I can't wait for you guys, for your guys' episode over the court case involving Ultraman. Thanks, you guys. Have a good one. Well, EliZilla13, thank you for sharing that. And, uh... Yes, it just so happens that that is exactly what we're doing right now. However, we are going to save the court case for... I've said this before, we're saving that for another episode because that is a huge convoluted can of worms and we're already trying to power through three shows on on this. And, I mean, uh, we do have, covering the the actual Subaraya Chayo co-productions that caused this mess to begin with. So... Uh, we're gonna save that for those. Which Matt, I really hope you're excited to watch uh, the Ultra Army versus the Seven Monsters, what, whatever it's called. You're gonna love it. Yeah, I'm very excited to see the Sam Cody saying <laughs> bullshit. They're bad, <laughs> man. <laughs> but you really gotta laugh at them. Well, I, I, are we gonna have to watch that uh, Chinese Ultraman that made Ultraman the bad guy thing? Are we gonna have if, to watch that too? I that's... mean, if if we can find it, I would. I would love to review that. Well, the trailer for that looks... Oh, yeah, it looks ridiculous. Um, But, Matt, really quick, I want to spend maybe five minutes following up on um, our Blue Christmas episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, Like I said, this is only going to take about five minutes because I really want to get into the Ultraman stuff. But uh, a listener, uh, Jesse Hayes, who... Um, I haven't met or really talked to him much, but, um, uh, I'm imagining he got to our podcast from my other podcast, If It Bleeds, We Can Kill It, because he's, like, a super fan of that show, and he's written into that one, like, a hundred times, but, um, so we talked about, uh, Blood Type Blue or Blue Christmas, which is a movie about, uh, people who watch, uh, people who witness these UFO sightings, and for whatever reason, it turns their bu- uh, blood blue, and the people with blue blood start getting rounded up um, 
and put in concentration camps and stuff. It's very much a, an allegory for, you know, the, the Holocaust and, and World War II. Uh, Eric, did you listen to that episode? I did. I actually had never heard of that movie. Um, I do really want to check it out. It sounded pretty cool. Yeah, well, after hearing this, this, uh, this made, me, made me almost want to rewatch it and reevaluate it. Um, what, you know, Matt and I were talking about obvi- the obvious parallels to racism and everything, but uh, so, um, uh, so our listener, Jesse, he says, um, I've heard in Japan you have to put your blood type on your job resume. This is what a Japanese friend of mine who lives in Tokyo told me. She said it was really hard for her to get jobs because of her blood type. And uh, the blood type she had was seen as lazy. The Japanese believe in blood type personality theory. I was surprised you guys didn't mention this, but it's pretty interesting. And he sent us a link to the Wikipedia about blood type personality theory. Um, and then, yeah, Matt and I like kind of like were like, wow, I, that's really bizarre. And we looked into it, and it's definitely a thing that happens. Um, I... Uh, I... Um, I, I can't speak to how often it happens or how common it is or if it's I something can a little bit because I, I found something out. And I for, actually forgot to tell you. I, so I, I can't I, we have a friend. We have a mutual friend who's lived in Kentucky or Kentucky. Oh, my God. Who's lived in Kentucky. Is that like the, the redneck uh, Tokyo? Y- yes, but uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> so we, we have a mutual friend who's lived in um japan for a while and, and basically i did ask him about this and he he told me that it used to happen a lot more like in the 90s mm-hmm. um it's probably been 10 years since he's been asked okay well uh, uh, that's good uh for the the lovely people of japan well if you think about it, it's kind of like um people that are into like astrology and like your zodiac sign and that kind of thing like it, it your sign comes with an associated personality same thing with these blood types and it does exist i mean there's some there's actual books that were written about it um you can research it if it ever played a part into like someone getting a job though that's (laughs) that's just bizarre yeah um yeah i like i i well it's it's probably good that it you know doesn't happen so much anymore because i can't speak to how credible you can you know what you can say to, about someone on their based on their blood type, but uh, yeah, I would imagine maybe in the seventies when that movie was made, it was a little bit more common, especially if it was still something that happened in the nineties. But, um, but yeah, that's a, a a very, you know, that's a, that's just an example of how sometimes as foreigners watching some of this stuff, you know, sometimes it does require a little bit of cultural background to really, you know have it land the way that the filmmakers intended but it's pretty wild yeah man i'm glad we got to to bring that up because i was i was bummed that we like missed that entire discussion well yeah yeah i mean um we 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 kind of dropped the ball on that but i i mean i yeah I, i never heard that before so uh thanks to jesse for uh for pointing that out and um yeah i'll i'll be sure to let him know that we we kind of um uh, discuss that on here so um yeah so uh uh time uh is is of the essence i guess when we have so much to discuss so let's get into the ultra series how does that sound sounds good man dude i've fallen down a deep 
a deep rabbit hole with like researching this blood type stuff now. <laughs> like, I've never heard of that. <laughs> There's like so like... much. I'm gone. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Ga- uh, Gage and Pot. I don't know if anybody goes out to their blog, but um, they have they had some information about it. I mean, there, there's like I said, there's actors, uh, an author who wrote, published some books in the '70s, which I assume is what influenced uh, Blue Christmas. Um, and it does happen. It ho- it hopefully happens less and less though, because man, could you? I just I can't imagine. Hey, man. Um, What's your zodiac sign, or hey man, what's your blood type? And then ah, you're lazy, so you don't get this. Job. <laughs> like, like, wait a second. Like, I was born in this month, and that, uh, or you know, I have this blood type that you can't, you can't control, and you're just. Uh, yeah. You know what though? I mean, we talked about it before. Like, discrimination's real, and unfortunately, if it's going to be as dumb as blood type. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's already dumb enough. You might as well make it. I mean. Just keep the train rolling with blood Bird, types. You're and... like you're like black, and if you have a bad blood type, how, man, you would be like double screwed. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't I don't know what blood type is deemed appropriate, but I'm sorry if it offends anybody. Ah, <laughs> uh, racism um, is the worst. Uh, so you guys like Ultraman? Yeah, man. Bert, uh, Eric, are you still like? Looking up blood type stuff. Yeah, man. Sorry. Um. Yeah, Ultraman, great. Uh. Yeah, he's a swell guy. Um. So I guess. Uh. Like I said, we're gonna talk about Ultra Q, Ultraman, and Ultra Seven. Uh. The three original shows. Um. That. Uh, like I said, I, I. They came back back to back. Had a lot of the same writers, directors. Um. And then after seven, you know, there was a little bit of a hiatus. So I, I think uh, these three shows are crucial to understanding the development of the franchise and Subaraya Productions, and really, honestly, um, you know, Japanese superhero shows just in general. Um, so uh, I guess Ultra Q um, is where we will. Uh, start being the first show um uh interesting that uh there is no ultraman in this series um so uh i have ultra q matt you have ultraman eric you have ultra seven is that how we did this that's how we did it okay so uh in order for me to talk about ultra q um we have to go to uh the beginning of Subaraya Productions, um, which goes back to the early 60s. Um, so, uh, which at that point, Subaraya, Eiji Subaraya, that is, uh, Subaraya the man, um, the effects genius behind all the Toho uh, science fiction movies um, and war movies, uh, was... Um, I mean, he was a workaholic. He was eager to, um, to make movies the best that he could, uh, and we'll, we'll be discussing things, uh, that he did that are going to, um, kind of, kind of go into that, you know, things he invested in, um, but, uh, the 60s was also, uh, this is the, you know, 
kind of the golden age of Japanese film uh, in um, uh, you know it, he he had wanted to branch out from uh, Toho even though he was the said to be the second most powerful person at Toho behind uh, Akira Kurosawa um, so he uh, was always I think of him the way that you know you would think of someone like um, like George Lucas or you know ILM in that you know constantly trying to push the boundaries of you know what you could do with genre storytelling and special effects so in uh, April 1963, he opened Subaraya Visual Effects Productions um, as a family company. Uh, his wife, Masano, was on the board of directors. His son, Nob- Noboro, um, was an accountant. And um, he did that so they could freelance uh, for productions outside of Toho. So, um, Alone on the Pacific, uh, the Kani Chikawa film was their first job. And um, Subaraya had all always talked about expanding that company. Uh, in the mid-60s, Toho became an investor in Subaraya Productions. So um, the two companies would end up sharing a lot of staff. And, I mean, as we talk about these three shows, other things uh, uh, such as suits, props, uh, miniatures, sound effects. Um, and it had been said, you know, over the years that Subaraya and Toho had a strained relationship because Toho were, you know, upset about him branching off. But that really wasn't the case. Um, They were investors in the company in its early days. Um, So, so before Ultra Q, uh, we we went through a couple starts and stops. Um, The first fantasy series pitched for... um, Subaraya was uh, one called Wu, um, and that was uh, his son, Noboru Subaraya, uh, who was working at Fuji Television at the time, um, found out that Tomio Segu- Seg- yeah, Segisu, um, who uh, would end up founding P Productions, who made Spectre Man and uh, other, other shows, um, was uh, talking with Toho about making a monster-themed TV series. Um, and he made a deal with Subaraya and the network to produce the show, uh, and that concept would become something called Wu, which was about an alien, uh, said that he, it was an alien resembling a cloud with little eyes who explores the universe when he, um, uh, decides he doesn't agree with his race's apathy and disinterest towards other creatures. So, um, he's hunted by the government, becomes friends with a group of humans, almost like an E.T. scenario. Only Wu would protect uh, us from other strange beings, aliens, monsters. Around this time, Subaraya, the, the man, uh, had spent a lot of money on an Oxbury optical printer, which was the most advanced optical printer in the world. In fact, the only other person who had one uh, was Walt Disney um, at, at Disney. Um, and after sinking so much money into that, Wu was kind of left being in question, and Toho and Fuji backed out of that. Um, but, uh, around the same time, Tokyo Broadcasting Service, TBS, uh, who would have a strong bond with, uh, Subaraya Productions throughout many, many, many years, uh, they, they picked up the tab for the printer 
and told Subarai they could pay it off during the production of a new series. Um, but they decided that Wu would be too difficult to produce and asked um, for a new idea. Um, some ideas from Wu would continue to be implemented in future Subaraya shows, including the ones we're talking about. Um, and uh, they sort of finally made that series in 2006 as uh, a show called BioPlanet Wu, uh, which I have not seen, um, but I'm familiar with it. Um, have either of you seen that show at all? No, I've, I've definitely heard of it, though. Actually, I think, I think we mentioned it a few times on our, um, on our podcast, kind of in passing, but I've definitely heard of it. Mm-hmm. Eric, what about you? BioWoo, you said? BioPlanet Woo. Yeah, um, I've heard of it and seen like snippets of it. It's supposed to be kind of a... I thought it was geared more towards kind of um, like females or it was like a soft toku kind yeah, of series. Yeah, so. yeah that, that's probably accurate. I remember when it came out, I, I've, just, I've never seen it, but, but yeah, I, I, that's probably accurate. Um, yeah, it looks like the effects look great, and it's got a cool concept. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so anyway, they decided that was too expensive, so A.G. Subaraya asked uh, uh, the uh, writer Tetsuo Kinjo uh, to come up with new ideas, and he came up with the concept for a show called Unbalance, which would be a show about nature rebelling against mankind for tampering um, and this was uh, a show that would be very influenced by the Twilight Zone and the Outer Limits, uh, which were huge here in the States um, and coming to Japan. Uh, but he, he would stay on as a writer for all three of these shows. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of his ideas um, are some of the more famous episodes. Like, uh, um, he did uh, The Mammoth Flower um, and also, uh, one of the treatments called uh, Vengeance of the Giant Octopus, which was based on Tsuburaya's original um, uh, proposal for Godzilla, which would itself be morphed into an episode of Ultra Q. Um, but, uh, you know, early character ideas were a little different. Um, the June character was obsessed with cars and actually had a flying car named Tiger, uh, I mean, I can't imagine what this show would be like with, with things like that. Um, uh, and then uh, Tsuburaya ended up pre-selling the show, actually, to CBS uh, in the U.S. Um, so they ordered another 13 episodes, and they, they delayed the premiere date. Um, and uh, during that time, uh, TBS asked for more giant monsters. They were looking at the ideas that they were... Um, working on the episodes that they were doing, and they said, you know, this is great, but, you know, this is 1966 Japan, and we're in the middle of the monster boom, they call it. You know, Godzilla and Gamera are at their... Uh, like, Gamera, I think, yeah, Gamera had just come out. Um, Godzilla was at the peak of popularity. Um, that's, you know, around the same time, uh, within the next year 66 67 that's when you have gappa gulala the magic serpent um johnny sako uh space giants uh ultraman i mean 66 and 67 were huge for giant monsters um but a little bit before some of that stuff um tbs were kind of realizing this uh, and they asked, uh, hey, can you put some giant mo monsters in here uh, and more episodes that 
are a little bit more directly for for little kids. Um, and they asked for uh, a few other mandates, uh, less Japanese customs and cultural things being brought into it, um, so it would be more internationally appealing. Um, and uh, a lot of the Toho staff were brought over. That includes um, Sadamasa Arakawa, um, who was Subaraya's like right hand man and uh, um, assistant special effects director through so much of the the Showa period. Um, Hajime Koizumi, who was Honda's uh, cinematographer, uh, as well as other effects artists and cameramen. Um, production design was um, by Yasuyuki Inoue and uh, Akira Watanabe, who were big at Toho and uh, you know um, the art department. Um, and also uh, Taru Norita, who um, designed a lot of the Toho creatures as well, including you know the gargantuas. Um, and he designed uh, probably most any of the truly iconic monsters from any of these three shows. If you that that was most likely a Narita design, um, and he's one of the more well-known and famous um, kaiju designers. Um, and, uh, you know, his influence can't be understated. Um, in fact, uh, when Guillermo del Toro was making Pacific Rim, when he was designing the monsters, um, he would have, uh, he would call uh, the some monsters um, uh, part of the Narita group, meaning they were a little bit more outlandish designs that were kind of more influenced by Narita's monsters and Watanabe group, which is uh, a little bit more down-to-earth um, more like the Toho monsters. So, um, yeah, he's a very important guy. Um, and, uh, but eventually the title Unbalance was dropped. Um, and, uh, the word ultra came from, um, there was a Tokyo Olympic gymnast named Yukio Endo who did a maneuver called the Ultra C, which, um, was a, became a common catchphrase, things people would say, all the time in Japan. So that's where actually where the ultra comes from. And the Q just stands for question, you know, because each episode was a mysterious uh, uh, situation and, and stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I mean, that's kind of the genesis of Ultra Q. Everyone, even people who haven't seen the show, but who have seen a lot of the older ultra shows will know, you know, the swirling uh, intro, um, that started with Ultra Q. Uh, in fact, that idea came to Eiji Tsuburaya when he was doing laundry and looking at the whirlpools, and just for the hell of it, he started pouring different liquids, uh, color liquids into it, and he liked how it looked, so that's where that came from. Um, but Ultra Q uh, is basically... Uh, we follow a, a group of characters who work for a newspaper... And uh, they always just kind of stumble into these bizarre situations, often dealing with giant monsters. Sometimes it's a little bit more of a paranormal thing. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, definite, it's definitely sort of a monster of the week kind of show. Um, but I've been uh, talking about this damn show for a very long time now. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, that's your little crash course in Ultra Q backstory. So let's let's talk about the show. Um, uh, and uh, to do that, I guess I want to defer to the probably the 
the newcomer to this uh, this this series, uh, which is Matt, who I believe just watched it for the first time. Um, so Matt, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get into some more things, talk about some more trivia, and um, you know, different episodes that s- stick with us. But um, just yeah, I'll use you as the entry point here as as a newcomer to the series. What was your you know what's your takeaway? What are your, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, man, it's very. Uh... Twilight Zoney, which is great. It, the thing I love about Ultra Q compared to any of the other Ultra series is the fact that it, it doesn't have to rely on a giant monster. So you get a very, uh, you get tons of uh, of different stories that come out, and sometimes you see a you know a spider that's human size but still big, but not not you know the size that's going to destroy a city. Um, other times you're riding a train that takes you to a different plane of existence. Like it's just. A lot of crazy stories. Um, I think one thing, one that stuck out in my head is the one where um, the Canagon, the monster that basically is teaching us a lesson about greed, right? It deals with a kid that's taking money that's not really his. And then you see that later on affect his, his, uh, his parents. So there's all kinds of really nifty stories. One of them reminded me of David Lynch. That's the one with the turtles. Mm-hmm. Where, like suddenly you're taking with this little girl, like if I was a little boy and his, and his turtle. And then all of a sudden you're like in a different reality with this girl on a swing set out of nowhere. Yeah. It it, it gets, it's surreal. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's also this show. I watched a lot of these episodes with my son. I mean, you know, he's going on four years old now and it, it, they, they kept his attention. He was always very interested. So, um, we also get, you know, some, some monsters that later appear in, the rest of the Ultra series, like Gomez and um, Litra, and then you, of course, have uh, Pegula. And, I mean, there, there's tons of first-time monsters that show up in the series, so it makes it worthwhile watch, even if you're just a fan of maybe Ultraman or Ultra 7 or some of the later series. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, yeah, Eric and I aren't so new to it, but... Um, Eric, yeah, I mean, uh, I think I think we're kind of in agreement, and this is probably our favorite of these shows. Um, I mean, it, I for for me it is, but I know that yeah. I know that you're a huge fan of Ultra Q. I'm a huge fan. I, I'm, I've actually my favorites kind of shifted. Um, doing a rewatch of all three of these series, um, I do love the show for a long time. <clears throat> uh it was kind of unattainable to watch. Um, but then it was kind of like a one, two hit combo. So, um, shout released it. And then I was able to find a sub copy of the, the sort of the Blu-ray colorized editions. And so, um, I was able to watch it in its entirety. And, um, yeah, it was it was great. I think it was the series I saw last actually. So it was the first one, but it was the one I, watched last but um i love it um the candy gone one that matt mentioned is, is actually my favorite of the bunch yeah and it's straight like i like he's shown up in a few things here and there but he's probably one of the most famous ultra monsters uh despite not having appeared in a whole lot it, it's actually like in japan i i think this show has a huge relevance in pop culture and um you know, so I, I think a lot of these characters are as famous as, you know, um, you know, how we think of characters from like Lost in Space or something. Yeah, that opening theme is really iconic. You've had 
um, you know, even bands uh, in America reference it or kind of pull cues from it. Um, it's got a really cool, groovy sort of surfer vibe to it. Right. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's when I think, yeah, the mid 60s, that's when surf rock was like enormous in Japan. Yeah. Um, uh, another another really sort of iconic kaiju or monster that gets um, sort of introduced here is uh, Garamon, uh, which we would later get repurposed into the Pigmon suit. But um, I, it's kind of a t- toss up between that and Kanagon, which is like the quintessential older Q kaiju. But um, yeah, Garamon. Uh, yeah, Garam. Yeah, Garamon has two episodes, and um, yeah, I mean both Pigmon and Garamon. People love both of those monsters, but yeah, Garamon. Uh, again, despite really not being in a whole lot of stuff over the, you know, uh, the decades of Ultra stuff, uh, is one of the more iconic monsters. Um, in I fact, do like the Garamon suit more. It just looks better but i always found it kind of weird that i think you're supposed to find it uh like sort of i'm not imposing or um threatening maybe but all i can ever see it is like this the most cuddliest cutest kaiju <laughs> ever well especially because you would see like garamon is not is a, a is not a nice monster and then in the next series you basically have pigmon who's the same thing almost um but yeah, the, I I really like both Garamon episodes. I I really like the se- I think I like the second one more where there's two of them and there's the alien um uh that gets executed for like fucking up and like the ending of that episode with that yeah just savage <laughs> yeah that's, um, that's I I agree the second one's better and the, the another two parter is the Pagaila one which I know Matt said he liked a lot and I I liked them a lot too. Dude, I'm all about that Balunga episode. Oh, that's my favorite, man. I love that episode. <laughs> I just rewatched that one uh, like a week ago. That's a fun episode. The sound, whatever they did to to create that sound is like it's musical too, but like it's it's really it's uh, apparently a, a Dogara sound effect that they amplified or something. They altered it. I can see that. Uh, yeah, uh, like almost like a weird, almost heartbeat kind of sound. Yeah, that, that that episode, I watched that, and, and it just, I don't know why, but it just really stuck with me. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, it's so bizarre, man. Well, yeah, Balunga is the a creature that absorbs energy, and it just keeps inflating, and it, it, he, it doesn't do anything, it just floats there, but it's such a weird monster and such an interesting visual, this giant like balloon thing with all these weird like almost like organs that kind of like pulsate and you know weird like tentacles almost and i mean it, it it's really hard to even describe but yeah it's yeah. such a weird episode um they're all weird the garamon episode oh speaking of garamon um uh i know uh one of the movies matt and i really liked in the genre this past year was colossal, and I was reading an interview with the director uh, Nacho Vigalando, and like, oh, you know, this giant monster is. Are you a big kaiju fan? Who's who's your favorite kaiju? And you always expect people to say, oh, Godzilla, Mothra, uh, King Kong, 
uh, and he said Garamon. He's like, yeah, it's from the show called Ultra Q. I mean, I don't, you, you probably don't know it. And I was, like the interview was just like, what? I don't know. Like just moved on to the next question. But I thought that was like, that's, that's awesome. But at the same time, it's kind of a little hipsterish, like a little bit. It's like, I heard just, I like this Kaiju you guys never even heard of. Man. Like, <laughs> well, that's what you, well, Eric, you're always complaining about that when you're like, you know, yeah, someone asked what this guy's favorite movie was and he's like yeah of course he's gonna say like godzilla i know i can't be pleased i was just thinking about that like i i I wish that they would just nix that like you can't answer the original for godzilla like from the rest of time just assumed um uh, well uh while we're talking about the actual monsters uh and speaking of godzilla we should mention uh as i talked about earlier um uh, a lot of, especially in this show, uh, you'll see it in a few other shows, but especially in Ultra Q, a lot of um, Toho kaiju suits being um, redressed and modified into other monsters. And there's a whole lot of them in, uh, in this one. Um, so uh, Gomez was the Godzilla 64 suit. Um, in the same episode, Litra was um, a redressed Rodan prop. Um, and also, uh, Laragas, the giant bird, was uh, also a, a redressed uh, Rodan. Um, Goro, uh, the giant monkey who loves milk. That's a really weird and awesome episode, by the way. Um, that is uh, a redressed King Kong. Uh, Manda. Uh, shows up as the dragon in episode six, the one Matt talked about, the really surreal one about the the kid going to like another dimension. Um, Baragon, gee, is poor Baragon. We're going to be talking about Baragon that is in the next the four of shows. the monster suit kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Baragon was reused as Pagos in uh, uh, the Rainbow's Egg, the uh, giant octopus. Um, from Frankenstein Conquers the World and War of the Gargantuas was Sudar in episode 23, and Magma from Gorath uh, showed up later as Tadora in episode 27, um, The Disappearance of Flight 206, which is another like super surreal, like dream logic-y uh, episode. Um, yeah, th- there's a giant walrus in the cloud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, that's the one where they're on a plane and it just like gets stuck. <laughs> no, yeah, like they literally just fly into a cloud and disappear. It's it's insane. Yeah, and the whole time there's a giant walrus slowly looming towards them. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we haven't talked about uh, one of my favorite episodes and one of my favorite monsters, which is um, Namagon, the giant slug. In episode that one is three. pretty awesome. Namagon is great. He is. I agree. He's one of my favorite. Um, the episode's really good too. Yeah, I love the monster. I love the 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 episode where they find this jewel uh, and they, you know, it's turned into a necklace, I believe, and it it grows and hatches a giant slug. I mean, you know, I I remember when I when I first saw this show, because uh, we're talking about just how weird this show is and. None of the Ultra shows since, I think, really capture how the bizarre, like like we said, Twilight Zone-y feel of this. And I remember, geez, I was in elementary school, but 
I don't think I've I don't think I've told this story, but in Royal Oak, Michigan, which is about 20 25 minutes away, uh there was a little cafe that opened called oh my god, what was it called? Um Monster Island Cafe something like that. I I could I could find out, but um it was a little cafe that basically it was a coffee shop and you walk in through the storefront and in the front of the store they just have tons of Japanese toys and and books and stuff. So Godzilla, Ultraman, Gamera, Sentai, what have you. And then in the back of the shop is uh Imagine a little coffee shop where they just show anime and tokusatsu on on the TV. Um, As you can imagine, this place didn't get much business and probably closed within like two years. Um, But one thing that was cool is you could rent videos. And and you could rent um, uh, stuff that wasn't released here. You know, I mean, they were bootleg VHSs that you were, would be renting, basically. But, uh, like, that's where I first saw, like, Frankenstein Conquers the World. You know, it wasn't on video. It was, wasn't really on TV much. Um, and I rented a copy in raw Japanese from there. And uh, another thing I rented was the first four episodes of Ultra Q, because I had read about the Godzilla suit being reused. And I was like, oh, I want to see that. So um, even just in Japanese... From like the first like five minutes of the show, I I was really confused by just how weird it was. It was it was so bizarre, um, especially once I started watching like the second episode where with with the monkey, <laughs> uh, it, it, and like it wasn't, and I still don't think to this day. I, I, it's still something that feels completely different from anything we've seen. Yeah, there's a weird like confluence, sort of a mixture of like Saturday morning cartoon logic with like really adult, heady themes and and um, plots. Sometimes you know you'll that monkey one. It's a lot of logic going behind like why the the science of that episode. It's really like really juvenile but then you'll have like some really high concept episodes too and it's all over the place and it kind of i like it and i think all three series are kind of the similar uh, at least the first two where you have just just the kind of whiplash effect where it's like what we we're just doing this weird goofy thing and you're like you know talking about this really deep thing that could be caught in a philosophy class or something right so. yeah and then it like it'll go into like super hard sci-fi like just two episodes after that you have the mammoth flower with the giant plant and yeah. that's like that's super like hard like straight science fiction um and uh of course Kaneko is a huge fan of that episode uh as he basically remade it uh for a portion of gamera 2 also That's one of my favorite the, episodes, actually. Yeah, that is a great episode. But he also used that for the BS Digital Q in GMK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And he, he directed some of Dark Fantasy. I think it was Dark Fantasy. Or Ultra Q Dark Fantasy. Um, Did you guys like the last episode? Man, it, it ends on like such a Debbie Downer. <laughs> the open up with the guy with the 
uh, the flying trains into another dimension. <laughs> I, you he's know, like when trying I trying to escape his family and he's drunk and he's like running away from life. It's just, uh, yeah, he is. Amamoto's in it. He, who's, he's in everything. I yes. feel like, um, yeah, that episode, I, I, when I first watched this sh- show all the way through that last episode, I just, I didn't quite get it, but when I watched it again, I, I really like uh, uh, liked it a lot more. Yeah, I mean, the, that's basically the idea of it is it's about a guy who's just like, I mean, a guy who has a family who you would think would be like happy, and he just ups and leaves to go to another dimension in a a, a, a train. <laughs> Speaking of trains, another episode I I love is. Uh, the um the the episode with M one, who is yeah, that's a good episode. It is a really good episode. Um, and it's yeah, he's a M one uh, just made a, a appearance in actually Ultra Ultraman X a couple of years ago. Um, that's that's right, right? Yeah, Man, yeah, yeah. Ultraman, and that, that's, that's also a good episode. It's a good episode, yeah. Yeah, it, it, there's a few uh, unused designs for that monster that are completely different um, from what you see. What What's in the episode is like a big Sasquatch looking guy who, uh, who is like starts as like a liquid in a suitcase, I, and then I I don't really even understand. Yeah, he like he's a created being is the whole thing, and he like starts doing things for himself. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, and then he just runs, goes on a rampage in this train, and then by the, and by the end, he's, like, shot into space (laughs) in the front of the train car, like, just turns into a a rocket. It's, it's insane. Um, and, yeah, I, I think Grow Little Turtle, uh, about the kid with the turtle that we mentioned is probably by far the weirdest most surreal it, it yeah it, it even it almost artsy episode there is um and it, it that's that's one of those episodes that you know like i i said you know they wanted to f- to make some episodes more aimed strictly like at little kids like that's one of them and it's actually based on an old japanese um uh fairy tale um and then uh the the Baron Spider episode I, is an, is one that um, I have on here as a favorite. That's where uh, they're basically stuck in a haunted house, and uh, Matt mentioned uh, the the spiders earlier. But yeah, they're basically the ghosts of like the former uh, tenants of the house. Have we accurately described the, like the sort of overall like who the characters are and the, the narrative? Uh, I I just said they work for a newspaper, but yeah, okay. I mean uh, Kenji Sahara <laughs> play is is probably the one everyone who is going to be new to it is going to going to recognize. Yeah, and um, he's also he acts as like a pilot, so it's kind of a good plot uh, mechanism. <laughs> Anywhere they need to get, he can basically get him there. Um, and you have your kind of comedic relief character, Ipe. Yeah, Ipe. <clears throat> and then um was it Junko or what's her name in the oh. um I'm gonna blank. Uh it's um uh well the 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 actress is Hiroku Sakurai who would be in uh who would be Fuji in um that one show. <laughs> oh, Ultraman. Yeah. What? What's wrong with me? <laughs> oh, sorry. It's I, I, I have to admit Eureka. something. That's my wife. 
<laughs> I, I told my wife that I have a uh, a crush on Hiroku Sakurai. Yeah, she's great. Um, yeah, so they were kind of like a team of three, and then not all, not every episode. Like sometimes they'll drop um, those characters and just do it like a standalone episode that has nothing to do with them. Yeah, or they'll they'll show they'll show up for like a scene, like they'll walk by or they'll they'll interact with someone. Like yeah, yeah. And I feel like it, the show takes a little bit to find its own sort of identity. Like when it starts off, you you kind of uh, for a couple episodes get like that that sort of Twilight Zone narrator, and mm-hmm. they don't keep that throughout the entire show. It, it goes um, back and forth actually. Like it's it um sometimes there's a narration and sometimes there's not, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I always feel like it's stronger without it because the narration like it's always. It could be translation errors, or just like it's it's hard to. Uh, it just it's it comes across to me like a, a a cheap Rod Sterling imitation. Yeah, and it's it's funny um, talking about the narration. Um, they actually were going to go full Rod Sterling uh, and have like a actual host segments, um, but uh, the reason for that was actually. Um, they they didn't they they just went for uh, narration because um, when they tried to sell it to foreign markets they wouldn't have to you know get an American actor or anything they would just you know okay we can just redub the narration. Mm. Um, Makes sense. Uh, I'm I'm going through a uh, uh, episode guide actually in an old issue of Kaiju Fan <laughs> for people old. <laughs> <laughs> old ass men like myself that remember this uh um the another favorite of mine we mentioned pagos which was the modified baragon which is the rainbow's egg um that's another one where the the main characters are kind of the b plot um and uh, yeah that one i thought was a really sweet story um uh about you know like uh childhood innocence and um, you know, it's really just they want to make their grandmother walk again, pretty much. Uh, yeah. They, yeah. It, that's a great episode. They try to do it with a radioactive egg thing, but, you know. <laughs> there's, there's two about one. You, you mentioned it um, briefly, and I don't think anyone else is a big fan of it, but I, I like the I Saw a Bird one. I don't know why. Um and then I also like the uh, I forget what the episode's called, but the one with Peter. The oh uh, yeah, I'm so Peter's glad you brought up Peter. I almost forgot about Peter. Jeez, <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, um, should we even try? So the the Peter episode. Peter is a uh, he he's this he's he's a it's it's a, not a real animal, but I think the actual animal in the show. It's supposed to be like a cross between an alligator and a frog or something. Um, but yeah, that's weird. It's about a boxer who um, his pet, his amphibious pet, Peter, like can predict the future and like predict like his, his winning matches and everything. And he's a he's he's a champ and he predicts that he's going to lose. And so this boxer quits um, and he, does he become a clown? What does he become? Yeah, yeah. He a clown yeah. like a circus act. Yeah, and and, and it, it turns out Peter grows into uh, well, it's a guy in a suit, so I'll just say the size of a man when 
thrown into water for <laughs> for whatever reason. Yeah, I remember the first time I watched that episode, I was just like, this is weird even for Ultra Q. Episode's awesome. But it's like yeah, it plays like a like a mini movie. Like I don't I don't know. I just it, you feel like you get a complete story. Like some of the episodes like um so one of my favorite kaiju period is Gomez. And so the first episode, like it should be one of my favorites, but for some reason, like it just it it doesn't it just kind of plays matter of factly and just kind of like well now this other this egg shows up and now they're gonna fight in the end and but like some of them you get like mammoth flower and uh, the Canagon one and and Peter like you get like a full narrative that plays out and you feel like you got like your money's worth and um, this. Series probably does it the best at all three of them. Like some of them really do feel like mini Toho movies. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to get back to the Tohoiness of it in a minute. Um, uh, a couple more standout episodes for me. Uh, one I don't hear talked about a lot, but is the Sudar episode. Sudar is the giant octopus, um, uh, and um, yeah, yeah, speaking of Toho, you will notice a lot of similarities to Toho monster movies of the time, like Godzilla and Godzilla vs. the Thing. Uh, it's, um, you know, our characters wind up on this island uh, where um, the one survivor of a shipwreck is stranded, and uh, the natives fear a god, sort of a godlike creature who is a giant octopus, Sudar. Um, and that actually, that episode is actually. Um, taken from Tsuburaya's original um, treatment ideas for Godzilla Fifty Four, and you know, like I like I said, the the it's it's a very Odo Island kind of community, um, and the parallels are definitely there. It also stars uh, guest star is um, uh, Akira Kubo. Um, uh, so yeah, that's an episode I really like. Um, is that one that, that resonates with either of you at all? Honestly, there's maybe two episodes of the, I think, 28 that I was like, eh. The rest of them I liked a lot. Um, I don't think there's really... This show from top to bottom is just very strong. Like, there doesn't seem to be a ton of weak episodes. Yeah. I think my least uh, favorite was the uh, Stingray episode. Yeah that, yeah. A, yeah, that one is okay, but... Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that one. Um, Eric, how do you feel about Ragon or Ragon? I, 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 I'm not Ragon. <laughs> Ragon. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, who was uh, Super? I, I mean, Ag Superaya was a fan of Creature from the Black Lagoon, and uh, I think this episode uh, is kind of a testament to that. And I know you're a huge Creature fan. Um, and he would later show up as in giant form in Ultraman, but uh, is this episode or is that monster, as a creature fan, is that one that resonates with you a little more, or is it, do you think he's just kind of like a pale imitation? I think he's a pale imitation. <laughs> and to to go with, uh, I mean, it's a fine episode. It's actually a pretty good episode. The, the design of the creature itself just never really resonated with me. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, to what you guys were saying, I on this last rewatch, I found it like it was like fifty fifty for me. So I, I didn't have the same experience. There was like for every episode that I loved, and I was like, oh, this is the you know some of the best Super Eye work ever. 
there would be one I was just like, oh god, this is painful to, to watch. Hmm. So. You know, I didn't, I did not feel that way. Um, oh, that has been Faruya in the uh, Raygon uh, suit, by the way. Um, He's also did the um, Kimura, which is a really distinct run. Um, uh, it's uh, sorry, Kimura. I think it's the right uh, name for it. Yeah, Kimur, Kimur. Yeah. Yeah, it's got like two eyes that are maybe even more than that that are like this, like way not uh, in line with each other, and it's got this big, sort of floppy suction cup sticking out of the top of its head, and it runs like really distinctly. And um, yeah, <laughs> he does a good job. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, I want to mention, like Matt said, they're not all kaiju what we would think of as kaiju episodes um there's one that's about a guy that turns giant um there's another one where um where uh yuriko gets uh she becomes part of a uh a program to like to save on uh expenses and help the environment and economy like uh shrink they shrink like a whole city, um, uh, which is oddly similar to a much uh, critically touted movie by Alexander Payne called Downsizing that's in theaters right now. Uh, maybe a young Alec. Well, I guess not because he's not Japanese. He wouldn't have been able to see this till like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and then uh, another one that uh, is my one of my favorites actually that nobody really talks about that's kind of sweet and even a little bit melancholy is called the devil child. Um, and that's, that one is just a, about a ghost. Uh, well, not, not even a ghost. It's, uh, about a little girl who, um, her She's like, right. Yeah. And her spirit, it kind of ends up leaving her body. Um, and, uh, uh, um, almost becomes like an evil twin. And, um, I mean, I'm not. In, I don't want to spoil the story, but it's actually got a lot of kind of emotional weight to it, even. Um, and that was actually one of the first episodes that they had written out, uh, which you might, you know, you could probably tell because um, you know TBS were the ones that kind of made them say, uh, "Hey, you know, we need more monsters." Um, but I don't know. I mean, I I I love the show. Um, We'll get into our closing comments on Ultra Q in a, a minute here, um, but but yeah, I mean, uh, do you guys have anything you want to add? We talked about so many episodes and so many monsters. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if there's anything you guys want to add before we get into Ultraman. I think uh, there's one lame episode I want to talk about. Another one, it's the one with the giant mole. You know, yeah, that one. I don't know. That one is kind of middle of the road for me. It just feels like that one just feels like uh, we crap. How many episodes do we have? Uh, someone just write a, a monster story, and you know, it just it's it's just very typical. I'm pretty sure uh, Haru Nakajima is actually in that as one of the soldiers. He might. Uh-huh. Be, he was. Uh, he was Gomez uh, and. Pago, so um yeah, he's when they when they confront the mole um initially like he's he's one of the um 
not soldiers, police officers, like kind of front and center, I think. Um, which was pretty cool. I like that episode, by the way. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't so much mind it. Um, it's odd, like, one, the one of Eric's favorites is one that I feel kind of falls a little flatter, is, um, is the I Saw a Bird episode where, you know, the little kid becomes friends with a bird that turns giant uh, at the end. Um, yeah, yeah, that was another one I struggled with. It, it was like, it's like the, the effects, because it was a reused prop, like, it just reminded me a lot of the giant claw. <laughs> oh god no i don't know why the, nothing should remind you of the giant claw unless a battleship maybe that's the, an the episode, that's an in joke for people that have seen the giant claw yeah it's it's bad i would man i haven't seen the giant claw in so long but uh that episode i think that and the the stinger episode were probably the, the two that i struggled with but the other ones i this this show from top to bottom is just really really strong in my opinion there was like, a, I, I was never bored, so. There was an episode called Oil SOS um, that was going to have a big stingray that would, like, uh, feed on oil, I think. But that, that later got reworked into the Pestar episode of uh, Ultraman. Um, but I don't know. I mean, uh, I like this show. It's not like the next two shows where it's, like, 50 episodes. Um, you know, it's half the length of most tokusatsu shows, which for me is relieving, especially, you know, I mean, as much as I love some of these shows, they are formulaic. And I mean, watching the same thing over and over for 50 episodes, especially when you're binging them for a podcast can get tiring, but Ultra Q, I never got tired of. And, um, uh, for me, it is my favorite Ultra series, uh, despite the lack of Ultraman. Um, I love the Twilight Zone, um, and... Um, that might be part of it, but I, I, I just think there's a lot to enjoy here, and I would actually say that you don't even have to really be a kaiju fan to enjoy this show in a way. I mean, first of all, I will say for kaiju fans, you know, if you're just into Toho and Gamera, this is a show you should really watch. Um, even if you don't like what comes later, even if you're not into the Japanese superheroes and the Ultraman stuff, Ultra Q kind of what you guys were both saying earlier, uh, each episode is almost like a mini Toho movie. And you'll notice a lot of the same props, uh, suits, and actors. Um, uh, and then, even for non-kaiju fans, I think if you're a, a fan of shows like um, The X-Files, if you're a fan of shows like The Twilight Zone or Outer Limits, or hell, even a little bit, uh, if, if you're a fan of Black Mirror, um, I think Ultra Q is something that you um could get something out of um so i don't know i i really love this show so i guess i mean i guess i'll give my my rating for the series is for me it's a five out of five um you know there's maybe like ultraman and ultra seven we'll talk about and both of those have a lot of episodes that are just kind of like filler and i think it's just because they have like twice the episodes but for me, Ultra Q doesn't really... There's maybe one or two episodes here and there that are like, eh, you know, you know, this definitely seems like they gave it to the B team to write. Um, but overall, it's just... I, I love it, and I love it because it's weird. I love it because it's surreal. It's artsy. And I, I just... Um, like Matt said when we first started, I love the variety. You know, I love that there's a, a variety to these episodes, which... Um, as much as I enjoy the next two shows we're going to be talking about, is something of a that um, they don't really have. So, uh, one of you guys go next. Final thoughts and uh, rating. 
I'll uh, defer to Eric. Um, yeah, everything uh, you said is true, man. Like, it does have the best, the most variety, and um, definitely, I think the the least amount of filler episodes. The sort of, um, I think the next one is like the most formulaic of the the bunch. But um, on my last watch through, actually, I would say this is my least favorite. That being said, it's still like dynamite. And if you're a kaiju fan, Toku fan, whatever, like this series single handedly pretty much is responsible for not just Ultraman, but uh, Common Rider, uh, all that stuff basically comes from this proving that um, Toku could succeed on TV like in a mainstream sort of way. So, um, I don't. I'll just go with a, a four out of five, even though um, it's better than than most anything else out there. But just in relation to the other two, it's four out of five. Yeah, I don't have much to add except to say that I think this is of the three shows we're talking about. I think this is probably the strongest. Now that being said, I don't know that it's my favorite, but. Um, I still give it a 5 out of 5 just in terms of the quality of episodes. You have 28 episodes. I think that there's only two that I thought were kind of okay. And the rest I really I really enjoyed. And as I mentioned before, like my son sat down with me and probably watched about half these episodes in, in black and white, right? I mean, like, and it held his attention. So I think that that says a lot. Um, you know, it, it doesn't have, like, the razzle-dazzle, you know, kids' cartoons and the, and the colors that keep his attention. He was there and loving the monster stuff. And I think that says enough about the quality of this show. And for me, like, I don't know, I, I, there were some genuinely just intriguing uh, moments in the show. That last episode, the way that it ends, and then the family dynamics that happened with the, with the train episode is called, um, I think it's called Open Up. And that episode, I mean, like, there's some heavy stuff in there if you're an adult. Like, it talks, it examines the relationship of a father to his daughter and his wife and the way that his wife talks to him and the reason that he's drinking and the reason that he's trying to run away from his problems. Like, that's heavy. And this show addresses in a way that you're not going to see done very often. So I love that about this show. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, definitely. So uh, we will... Uh, uh, move on um so it goes without saying i think because of where we are now they're still making these that ultra q was a hit um in fact um i mentioned the outer limits earlier is uh one of the shows um that influenced ultra q but even though it was it influenced ultra q it it really wasn't uh doing very well in japan uh but ultra q's success not only made subaraya Eiji Tsuburaya and his, uh, Tsuburaya Productions, a household name. Um, but it also revived uh, Outer Limits in Japan. Uh, it was re-ran with the title Ultra Zone. Um, and uh, it was a hit when it re-ran under that title. Um, so um, so with, with, with that being said, uh, TBS was very happy with... Um, with Ultra Q, and uh, so we're going to go to 1967 because they wanted to prep the next series, which would become Ultraman. All right, so that concludes our Ultra Q portion of the podcast. 
Tune in next week for part two, which will be about Ultraman. Thank you.